Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Game Time with Manny. Um, it is with a heavy heart that I have to say that I have not recorded for the past two months, and it is because I have been going through a lot of change in my life, and I've also been trying to change what I do with my blog and things, like I'm trying to rework the monthly write-up I do on my blog about the games I played to try to make it more personal, and I think it's going pretty well in that regard, but I also was like wanted to go harder in the podcast front, um, and... I haven't really known how to get into that because I don't always have a game or topic that I want to talk about passionately each month, and then it ends up being like I just kind of ramble on and on about a subject that I don't really necessarily care very much about and listeners probably don't care very much about. So I've been trying to think of a way that I can mix this up, um, and I think I have found a cool idea to fill the holes in the podcasting where I... Uh, don't really have anything interesting that I personally want to talk about. And so I'll probably do that next month for July um, or possibly even later in, well, June is almost over, but you get what I mean. And, and it's just weird because I've been trying to do more with my online video game brand in general. Uh, but I, I like I've been thinking about it a lot, but not necessarily making any moves with it. Um, I started recording a Persona 3 series I was doing on YouTube again called Shame Time, but I, uh, stopped streaming Inazuma because it was kind of grating on me and I want to wait for the new one to come out. I would like to start streaming more and different games, but I've been trying to think about what I would want to do with that. Um, so I, I've got a lot going on with my hot online brand, but this week, this month, I should say, we are here to talk about E3 2018. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, it was about a week ago. Um, I was on vacation, so I didn't really want to record a podcast, and I wanted to kind of let all the dust settle. Um, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's a, just a week and one day uh, out from the end of the show. And they showed a lot of cool stuff, um, but I think some of it was kind of disappointing because it's not necessarily like a a year where a lot of stuff is going to come out. It's an off year, and especially after having 2017 be such a killer year for games, uh, you know, like a lot of companies released last year, so it means they might not necessarily do a whole lot this year. Um, but it was interesting nonetheless, and instead of just like rehashing exactly what happened to E3, I'm just going to tell you what I cared about uh, from my perspective. And so uh, without further ado... It's game time. is something that I have looked forward to pretty much every year for as long as I can remember. Video games come out all the time, but most announcements were, prior to the last couple of years, centralized all around E3. It can be considered, I guess, like if you want to get super reductive and lame about it, the Super Bowl of video games for me. Like, I, I look forward to it every year. I end up taking time off work and things like that, just so that I can sit home and watch all the press conferences. I make sure that I have the time to do that. This past year, um, E3 started creeping into the weekend. Normally, uh, the press conferences for Microsoft, Sony, and Ubisoft and EA would have been on a Monday. But last year, maybe even two years ago, EA kind of started pushing into the weekend. So theirs was on Saturday this year, and they weren't actually part of E3. Um, which is uh, governed by the ESA, and they kind of stepped outside of that, but like still are under the banner of E3 in theory, just so they can get their announcements out around that same time. Um, and oddly enough, this year Microsoft also stepped outside of the ESA, um, so they did their press conference on Sunday, and... It was just interesting because that means that they're not necessarily out there on the show floor at E3, and I will probably talk a little bit about um, how I think E3 is changing as a show and why it's so weird 
in the current climate, but I'll get to that a bit later. Um, so yeah, Microsoft did their thing on Sunday, and then Bethesda for the past couple of years has been doing their thing on Sunday night, and that that's pretty cool. They they never were inside the ESA. They never really had a press conference. I think it was three years ago probably was the first one that they had done, and that was pretty cool. Um, and then after that, it was pretty normal. Like on the Monday, uh, it was... Ubisoft, and then Sony. Uh, there's a PC gaming show that I am not super interested in. Uh, in years past, it ends up being like a kind of garbagey talk show where they like basically circle jerk about video cards and things like that. This year, it was actually kind of cool, and they announced some interesting looking games, but it's never something that I'm super interested in. Uh, so yeah, Monday was Ubisoft and Sony and Square Enix also, they had never really done any types of press conferences. They would usually just show up on the show floor uh, or in certain press conferences because a lot of Square games are pretty huge in terms of, like, selling points for consoles and things like that. So they would show up at, like, Sony and Microsoft's press conferences prior to uh, this year, which which they still did this year, make no mistake, but they had their own weird pre-recorded thing. And... For, I can't even remember, probably the past four or five years, Nintendo has not done a traditional live press event. They have been doing Nintendo Directs, and anyone who kind of follows video games uh, knows that Nintendo has been doing a Nintendo Directs for the past few years, just in general, throughout the year. And they are sort of pre-recorded messages to announce games and features for upcoming games. And they work out really well, because like Nintendo can just like drop one whenever they want, and it makes headlines. Uh, it's kind of weird that they're not there in person to do like live demos and things, but they don't necessarily have to be anymore in the modern video gaming climate. And it's interesting to see because, like, Square Enix did a uh, Nintendo Direct sort of thing as well, but Nintendo has kind of mastered the art of it, and I find it to be fascinating, um, especially the ones at E3, because normally the press conferences uh, in huge game announcements take, like, about an hour to two hours, but Nintendo usually cuts their Directs down to about mm, 25, 30 minutes usually. I think this one went on for like 45 minutes to an hour, uh, but most of it was just one specific thing that they were talking about. And the past couple years at E3, Nintendo has mainly been f choosing a single game to focus a lot of their time and resources on. And this year it was uh, the new Super Smash Brothers game, but I'll get to that a bit later. Um, yeah, it, it was very weird. And Nintendo, I think started the charge on the change of E3. Uh, they they didn't do a live press show, and they ended up doing, like, stream streaming demos uh, all day long um, on their Nintendo Treehouse streams, and they did that last year as well, maybe even the year before. Um, but they just, like, have developers of Nintendo games come up, and they, they just demo the games all day long on stream. And it actually is really cool because you get to see a lot of gameplay for things that you wouldn't necessarily get to see a lot of gameplay of. And it also, it was last year they dedicated their whole thing to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, so they streamed it for hours and hours. Um, that was what 95% of all the kiosks they had on the show floor were. And this year it was Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And Nintendo has just been trying new and weird things for a while now, and I, I I find it to be very interesting. But, as I said at the top, I think E3 is kind of off this year, because their last year was such a heavy, heavy release year, and like I, I, it's going to be hard for most things to top what happened last year, right? Like, we got Odyssey, Breath of the Wild... Um, I was a huge fan of Persona 5. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head right now, but there was a ton of stuff that was top-notch, super, super great stuff. And that usually means that the year after is going to be kind of lackluster. And while I think that some really great games have come out this year in 2018, like Monster Hunter World and things of that nature, um, it's, it's a little hard for this year to live up to last year. And it also seems like the current generation of consoles, specifically the Xbox One and the PS4, are beginning to peak in terms of what developers can do with the hardware. I'm not saying they necessarily have, but they're definitely getting there. And Sony even recently has talked about 
uh, looking forward to the PlayStation 5. And this is kind of the point in the life cycle where they might be looking to do that kind of thing. And so there just aren't that they're just it's a transitional year, right? There aren't that many games, uh, huge, huge announcements and releases uh, for this year. But one of the things that I think is kind of crazy is usually games leak ahead of E3 every year. It happens. There are rumors and some of them end up being true or like leaks come out hours before the show. But this year, there was an abnormal amount of that happening. Like games were being uh, leaked left and right. And then publishers were just going like, you know what? Fine. You, you saw this leak and now we're just going to announce it. You've ruined our plans for it. It happened with Rage 2. Um, there was a huge leak, uh, from, uh, Walmart's website in Canada where they just ended up putting up a bunch of like placeholder box art for pre-orders with a bunch of names of unannounced games. And at first people thought like, oh, maybe this is just speculative because a game like Rage 2, uh, that id Software made as a sequel to Rage, like Rage didn't do that well. It was interesting in practice, but it did not pan out for them. So the fact that Rage 2 was on there, people were like, oh, well, this is fake. But then Bethesda announced it and was like, no, this is real. Here's the Rage 2 teaser. And then people realized, oh, shit, almost every single one of these game releases is real that is on this list. And like there were I there were so many things that leaked or companies just ended out ended up getting out ahead of leaks and announcing a bunch of stuff leading up to E3 that it kind of felt like a majority of the surprises had already happened before the show even got started. And some of them happen in such stupid ways. Like that Walmart leak, like that is someone just accidentally clicked a switch and it, revealed all that stuff a little bit early whereas like another one that i can think of that i thought was just asinine was assassin's creed odyssey the new assassin's creed coming out this fall um ubisoft sent out keychains dealing with it and so people were like oh shit the new assassin's creed is called odyssey and it's like a weird little guy in a roman helmet so it's gonna take place in rome and then they just were like yeah of course it is. And it was just so weird because it was like official merchandise that got sent out early or for production so people knew it was happening. And like, I think that was supposed to be Ubisoft's like big surprise. And it was kind of like when you're watching these press conferences and you've seen all these huge announcements, you're hoping like, oh yeah, well this got out before, but they're going to have one more thing. They're going to have one more thing. And it kind of just lets you down because you're like, oh shit, we did see everything before the show. And that is my favorite part of E3 is seeing crazy shit that I never would have even imagined and just like getting super hype because you're like, oh man, this is so surprising. Like I didn't see this coming. And that did still happen. Um, not to the extent that it has in past years, but it's just something that is kind of disappearing because the the video game industry is leaky. There, there a lot of leaks come out and things happen before they should, um, and it's just a part of what it is now. But also another part of it is companies were just deciding to announce the things before the lead up to E3 so that they don't get lost in the shuffle. And this is where I think uh, the landscape of E3 is changing because. It's odd. E3 is not really necessary anymore. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that because they still think of it as like, oh, it's this gaming thing that happens every year and we get all these announcements. But if you really sit down and look at it, it does not need to occur anymore because if a game is popular enough or a developer has a big enough audience, they can just put out a tweet that says, hey, we're announcing this game. They can just put out a teaser and it they can have a, a stream to announce it whenever and people will tune in for it because now more than ever, developers and publishers have direct access to their fan bases. They no longer have to go to E3 to have their stuff get out in the mainstream media and not just be seen by uh, like the super niche video gaming community of like journalists and people who look at video game news all day. They now can just 
put up a stream on Twitch and they'll reach thousands and thousands of viewers. They can put out a tweet because people can follow them or look at their Instagram account and, and see this stuff right then. And especially Nintendo has proven that this works with their Nintendo Directs. They just put, they can randomly put one out, be like, oh, hey, guess what? Tomorrow, Nintendo Direct, what? And like people tune in and they eat it up and they love it. And it is a surprising thing. And it just works. So I don't know how much longer E3 will be able to last in its current state, in this current climate that we live in and it's interesting because last year was the first year that they actually opened up e3 to the general public they could purchase tickets and it wasn't like they hadn't really figured it out so it wasn't like a great experience for anyone who was going to do that but it still worked and they tried it again this year and i guess they had they added some more packages that you could like go see talks and stuff and from my understanding they had more attendees than last year and it worked out a little bit better uh, but they're learning. It seems like the ESA is trying to keep E3 alive any way that they can because it, it's it's interesting now that uh, E3 is starting earlier on the weekend and not just like, hey, the press conference is on Monday and then the show starts actually on Tuesday. It's not like that now because since developers have to fly in on Friday or Saturday before the show starts, there were a lot of developers who were like, they take meetings over that first weekend with journalists and people like that, people from the industry, and then by the time the show starts on Tuesday, they've already flown back to continue work on their game. And I heard a ton of podcasts with game journalists talking about this very thing, is like, they had appointments on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and even Monday before the show is even technically in full swing. And then these people were saying like, hey, we actually have to move up your appointment because we won't have any developers or people to talk about the game to demo it to you left in LA. And I think that that's only going to get worse and worse each year. And as more huge companies like EA and Microsoft pull out of being on the show floor, I think that the show is just going to have less and less around it. And I don't necessarily know that that's a bad thing. Um, it just means that the industry is changing and growing uh, with the way that we consume information. And I think that that is interesting. While I don't want E3 to go away, I would like to see how it pans out. And it's just, it's interesting for me to think about. And it's really weird because I, I could talk about E3 for hours and hours because I, it's very obvious to you if you listen to this that I am super passionate about video games. Like, I actually care. I give a shit. It's not just that I like like to play games. I care about how they're made. I care about supporting the people that make them. Like, I actually try to make an effort to learn about how they're made. Like, I... I, I look into anything that I possibly can about them, right? And I always try to give developers the benefit of the doubt. Like, no one's ever trying to make a bad game or anything like that. And, and I have to say this, because I was bummed out this year more than any other year than I have been, because this is the first year when I've been really active, more active on Twitter. Um, there is just such a large amount of negativity on the internet, and I know that's no surprise to anyone, but like... Developers will show off a cool, like, 30-second teaser trailer for the game that they have been keeping secret for possibly years, and people will just shit all over it in that short clip. Uh, for example, Nintendo announced a new Fire Emblem game, and I saw people just talking about how, oh, I'll never play this trash, that's bullshit, just because of the art style, or, like, stupid things like that, or, like, oh, this one thing in the trailer looked to be this way, and it's just like, come on, you at least have to try to give the game a benefit of the doubt, right? Like, you, you have to like, see any amount of gameplay. Like, there's a huge development cycle still continuing. The games will be out in months, possibly even years for some of them. I, I feel like you gotta give these people the benefit of the doubt. And, like, this year, excuse me, more than any other year, I felt like people just were not giving games a fair shake. But, like I said, it's probably because I was on Twitter and people just end up being a lot more negative than 
I don't know. Like, it's just, you see a lot more negativity, especially on Twitter and just the internet in general. But I just, it really accentuated how shitty it must be to, like, be a creator. Because most people don't make an effort to care about how games are made. And, and you know, they don't have to. Like, that's their thing. Sometimes you don't want to know how the sausage is made. You just want to eat the sausage. And, like, I get that. But sometimes you gotta give people, you gotta cut them a little bit of slack. And it just, it drove me nuts. But without further ado, you know, we got, I'll, I will now talk about uh, the games that I saw that really excited me before this gets to be too long. I don't want to go on too long about E3, even though I could. Um, so we'll start off. EA showed, I'm going to be quite honest with you, nothing that I really cared about. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Battlefield, so like Battlefield 5 doesn't really interest me. Um, it looks good for a Battlefield game. DICE makes a killer a killer game, and it looks really good, but I just don't care. Um, Respawn, they basically announced that, yes, they are making their Star Wars game, uh, as was rumored, and they you'll, it's called, like, The Last Jedi or something, and you... No, no, that's the name of the movie. I don't remember. It was something Jedi, the Jedi Order, Fallen Order, Jedi Fallen Order, something like that, and you play as a Jedi, but they definitely were not ready to, like, talk about what it actually is or when it will be ready, just that it is being made and you play as a Jedi, and, like, that, sadly, was the most exciting thing for me, um... EA's just been weird in the past couple of years, and I, I don't know how to feel about them. After they, like, have milked Bioware into the ground and, like, killed Mass Effect, and I haven't really enjoyed Dragon Age. Uh, that, that said, the new game Bioware is making Anthem looks pretty cool, but it also looks basically like it's just Destiny, so I don't really know how to feel about that, but that seems to be their big focus going forward is really trying to push Anthem, and, like, I don't know, you're a spaceman, you have jetpacks, and you go around, and you collect color-coded loot, and, like, I don't know that I am down for that again after I found Destiny to be such a personal letdown. We'll see. Maybe the jetpacks will get me in, but, yeah, EA was just weird. And then you had Microsoft, and I said this to a lot of people. I hang out with a lot of people who don't really give a shit about Microsoft, and... I personally was the most excited to see what Microsoft was going to show because for the past couple of years, they seem to me like they just every year it's like, man, what the fuck is going to happen with Microsoft? Because there was a few years ago where they had announced all these cool new exclusives, like uh, they were going to do a remake of the uh, Xbox cult classic Phantom Dust. It was like a card game. It was a cult classic. People loved it. They announced that they were were teaming up with Platinum to make a game called Scalebound, where you're, like, fighting and there's dragons and stuff. It looked really cool. But they canceled both of those, and then they didn't replace them with anything. They had no exclusives, like... And people were just like, oh, well, they're going to show Halo and Gears of War. And it's like, well, of course they are. 343, the only job that that studio has is to make Halo. Of course they're going to make a Halo. That's the thing that Microsoft is known for. Of course, Black Tusk Studio is working on Gears of War because, like, of course they are. That's the only thing that studio makes, right? And those were, like, the only two things that were known. And it has been being said for the past couple of months that, like, they gotta buy studios. They have to have studios to make exclusive games for the platform because they just don't have it. And, like, Sony has a ton of cool first-party games, but, like... The Xbox One and the Xbox One X are, like, they're really cool still. And I like it when Microsoft and Sony can directly compete head-to-head in what they're doing. So it was really dope. They announced that they acquired five studios. I can't remember them all right now, but one of them was fucking Ninja Theory. The team that made the Devil May Cry reboot DMC... They made a whole bunch of games uh, for Sony, uh, like Heavenly Sword. Uh, last year, they made uh, Hellblade Santa's Sacrifice. And, like, they make a cool bunch of cool games. And I cannot wait to see what they are going to do now that Microsoft owns them. I hope that it's not another case of, like, Rare, where, like, Microsoft bought them and really didn't know what to be doing with them. I hope that uh, Ninja Theory just, like, does their own thing. 
they, they announced a couple other studio acquisitions. The only other one that I can remember specifically was uh, the company that makes uh, State of Decay. Oh, couldn't think of that. Uh, like the weird zombie sim where you like build up your your uh, encampment and basically just do a bunch of zombie survival stuff. And... That's cool. I Those games were all State of Decay 1 and State of Decay 2 were exclusive to Microsoft platforms and PC anyways, but it's just nice to see that they purchased the studio and are now going to be able to fund their madness even more. And, like, that stuff was cool, but Microsoft really didn't have any, like, cool first-party games to show. Like, they showed Gears 5, and that looks cool. I'm still interested in Gears of War. They announced a new Halo game called Halo Infinity, which, like, they didn't even say what the hell it was. They just said it's called Halo Infinity. But outside of that, they had 50 games that they were going to show. And they did that. Um, some of them were indie, stuff like that. The one that I got the most hype for, which is, like, the saddest thing ever, is that they're actually releasing the definitive version of Tales of Vesperia on all platforms like obviously it's in the microsoft one so they're doing xbox one but like it's also coming out for ps4 pc and switch and like that's dope as hell because tales of vesperia is probably one of the best games i've ever played and i actually i don't beat games sometimes because i just like get near the end and i just give up on them uh, but Tales of Vesperia, I got near the end and I didn't beat it because I literally didn't want it to end. It is my favorite Tales game by a large margin. And the definitive version was originally came out on PS3 and they were going to release it in the US. The English voice actors actually recorded all their voice lines, but then they just canceled it inexplicably. And so the fact that that's coming out here is like so dope for me like it it's really sad that i think the game that i was most excited for out of e3 was a game a re-release of a game that came out in like 2005 2006 and that's just really crazy but like i can't wait i'll probably buy it for ps4 sorry microsoft but like you know tales of asperia it's, it's really cool and they, they had a bunch of other stuff they showed a new kingdom hearts 3 trailer which People have heard my feelings on Kingdom Hearts. Go back and listen to my Kingdom Hearts 1 podcast. It looks cool. Um, I still think that the story of Kingdom Hearts is an absolute garbage fire at this point that is so up its own ass that it's hard to make heads or tails of what's really going on. And there's a lot of corny-ass dialogue, like, his heart's in my heart, and you gotta fight the darkness, and weird stuff like that. But, like, that's what Kingdom Hearts has always been. The gameplay looks stellar, and I I can't wait to play it. Like, I like to shit on the story, I like to dunk on Kingdom Hearts, but, like, I'm, I'm very excited to play that. And it looks like they have put a lot of work into it, and it's coming along very well. Uh, it was delayed to 2019, so it comes out January 29th. Um, the trailer they showed for the Microsoft press conference, they basically showed that Frozen is going to be a world, which, like, of course it was. It made billions of dollars for Disney, and it was super popular as a film in Japan as well. So it's, all, it's only obvious that they would have Frozen in there, but the, the gameplay looked pretty dope. It showed some of the Organization 13 that were returning. I'm not going to get into a lot of Kingdom Hearts stuff, but, you know, I'm excited for it. And I just, I don't really remember a lot of the other exclusives. They, some of them were pretty interesting, but the thing that really did it for me, for Microsoft, other than Tales of Vesperia, was at the end, uh, they were, like, closing down, and they were doing their ending montage, and it got hacked, and CD Projekt Red showed a cinematic trailer for Cyberpunk, I think it's 2077. I can never remember the year. Um, but it's the developers of the Witcher franchise. And they're making a game based on Cyberpunk 2077, I think it is. The board game. And they've announced this a long time ago. And it, like... The CG trailer really sold me on it. And even though I was already going to buy it... What really got to me about it, though, that kind of sucked was they didn't show any gameplay. And it was like, okay, like, maybe you don't have any gameplay. But they were showing a 50-minute demo of this game to press behind closed doors. And it seems to me, that not that I can find, that no footage of that demo got out there. Normally someone will, like, film it shaky cam style on their cell phone, but I guess they were super strict about that. I... 
saw the other day that someone had recorded the audio, which, like, how does that help? But every single journalist I listened to talk about that game was blown away by how done it seems like not that the game is nearing completion but that it was like very far along and like very much a game that someone was playing and it's in first person and they do all this crazy shit it's like a first person game and you end up shooting but like it has that cd project red style where they are making a world and it is like very believable and lived in and I, I can't wait to play it. I hope sometime soon that footage gets released, at least by CD Projekt Red. And this is actually one of those cases where I wish that it wasn't announced at E3, right? Like, they didn't show it, and CD Projekt Red had just put out a stream and been like, hey, yo, here's this 50-minute gameplay demo, check out our shit, and everyone would have gotten so hype. Not that people didn't get hype about the CG trailer, because it like tells you what the world is like, but anyone who's played the board game and knows what the word cyberpunk is, like they know what it's going to be like, and they just want to see it. And so it is cool that that game will probably come out next year or 2020. Uh, definitely not a 2018 release, but the fact that it is coming along uh, gives me hope that it will probably be a 2019 release. Probably 2020, though. CD Projekt Red likes to take their time, which, like, hey, in my opinion, The Witcher 3 is a great game. So I hope that it comes out half as much as I like The Witcher 3. And then after that, there was Bethesda. Um, once again, didn't have a whole lot that I was looking forward to. They announced Fallout 76, the new Fallout game, which was their huge announcement. Um, it's an online uh, co-op Fallout game. And I just, one, I'm not a huge Fallout fan. I'm sorry if you're listening and you really like Fallout. I just don't. And I don't know why. I've tried three I played a lot of. Four broke on me a couple times. I just couldn't get into it. I didn't really give a shit about the world. I don't like the old timiness of it. It just doesn't do it for me the way that The Elder Scrolls does. So the fact that they were making a second Fallout game in a row was a kind of a bummer for me. I was hoping they had something else to show to really get me into it, but they didn't. Um... And that was, like, their main thing. They had announced it before the show, but they had, like, a, a larger gameplay uh, showing from it. And, and it looks cool. Like, for people who like Fallout, it's probably super cool. I just... It doesn't really do it for me. And they also uh, announced that a sequel to the Doom reboot is coming out. Uh, basically, it's should have just been called Doom 2, but they gave it some weird subtitle instead. And it looked cool. And, like, not much else for me, right? They announced, and by announced, I mean they showed a logo of their space exploration game that will be the next game they're working on, but that probably won't even be shown until 2019 in any capacity. So, like, if it, I don't even know what it is. If it's just the Elder Scrolls in space, like, that would be the greatest thing I've ever dreamed of in my entire life. But, like, it probably will be something kind of different. We'll have to wait and see. And then just to really tease us all, they showed the logo for the Elder Scrolls 6 and basically said, hey, it's after our weird space game that I can't remember the name of. Starfall? Star something? Whatever. You'll know if you're listening to this. And yeah, that won't be done until after that. So like at this point, why even show the logo? Maybe so people stop asking, hey, where's the Elder Scrolls 6? Are you working on it? Because that game will probably be like 2023 2025 at this point like that shit's crazy it takes them forever to work on a game so like if their main studio is making this space game that's a couple years out at this point so it would have to be they'd start development after that and like that's wild but at least hey at least the Elder Scrolls 6 is coming um then the next day Square Enix had their thing and nothing man they literally showed the same Kingdom Hearts trailer that Microsoft showed, and it's like, Square Enix, this is your game, dog. What do you, what's going on here? You showed the same trailer, but with like a slightly different cut, like five seconds of different footage. Like they showed Hainer, Pence, and all that, but whatever. They, they showed a bunch of weird trailers. Like Dragon Quest XI has been out in Japan for a year or so, and like, yes, it's coming to the US this fall, but like, do you really, do I really need to see Dragon Quest XI? Like, it's a turn-based RPG. I know I want it. Why are you dedicating this time to show this trailer for this game that's been out in Japan for a year? Like, you don't need that. They showed some Tomb Raider, Shadows of the Tomb Raider gameplay. 
and just a bunch of stuff that had already been shown. And they announced two games that like could be cool. One was called like the the Deaf Man or, or something like that. And another one was called Babylon. Babylonia? See, I don't even remember the names of these games because the announcement trailers were so stupid. They just, like, showed a little CG thing and who it was maybe being developed by, and that's it. No gameplay, no nothing, no possible release year, nothing about what it is at all. And it's just like, why did you do this? Their their thing, pre-recorded thing, was like a half hour. And you would think that after Nintendo has done so many directs, like, if you're going to do a pre-recorded thing, they would have learned something from that. But, like, it just was a rehash of things that had already been seen. And it was bizarre. Like, it was absolutely bizarre. I don't even know why they did it. Nothing really new came out of that. Like, I was fully expecting them to show some Final Fantasy VII remake footage, and they didn't even do that. Like, the coolest thing they showed was probably uh, that... Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO, is having a crossover with Monster Hunter World. And, like, I don't care so much about those things being in Final Fantasy XIV, but they announced later that the mon- the Final Fantasy monster Behemoth will be fightable in Monster Hunter World, and, like, that's cool as hell. And hopefully you can, like, make Final Fantasy armor and stuff. I'd be way into that. Um, but they didn't have a lot going on. And so then later in the day... Ubisoft, you know, their huge announcement was going to be Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and they showed some gameplay, and, like, it looks... It looks like some Assassin's Creed. It looks like Origins. So, that's that's good, I guess. I, I was kind of bummed by that, because I was expecting them to alternate Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs every year, after they took a year break from... Assassin's Creed to make Origins, but now it seems like, hey, we made an Assassin's Creed engine that's kind of new and different, let's make some new assets and go to town on it. And I hope that that doesn't mean that they're going to fall into the same trap again with Assassin's Creed, because like, I, I used to love that series, and they just put it right into the ground for me. And, like, other than that, Ubisoft really didn't have anything that I cared about. Like, I thought that Odyssey looked pretty cool. They showed some Mario Cross Rabbids Kingdom Battle DLC, the Donkey Kong stuff. But, like, that had already been announced. And they had another partnership with Nintendo. They have this Toys to Life game, Starlink, where, like, you get a toy spaceship and you use it NFC to put it in the game. Like, Star Fox is going to be in that now. And, like, that's kind of cool, but it doesn't make me more interested in it. It just is weird that they have this, like, kind of interesting relationship with Nintendo now. <sighs> Excuse me. Gotta yawn. But not not a lot going on. And, th- and then later in the night you have Sony. And, man, they, they announced beforehand that their press briefing or showcase or whatever the hell they wanted to call it was going to be a little bit different this year. And they were mainly going to focus on four games. They were going to show extended demos of four games and have some third-party announcements. Those four games were Spider-Man, which is coming out this fall. I don't need to see any more of it. I knew it was going to be dope as hell, but I guess, sure, show some more. Death Stranding. I get that one. No one knows what the hell Hideo Kojima is doing. He's insane. All we know is that there's a baby inside Norman Reedus and shit's getting weird. We don't know what the game is. Is it a game? Who knows? Then, uh, also... The Last of Us 2, which obviously, sequel to The Last of Us, great game by Naughty Dog. You know that's going to be really cool, but you get to see a little bit more about it. Obviously, we're all in for that. And then uh, Ghost of Tsushima, the open-world samurai game being made by Sucker Punch, the people that used to make Infamous. And so they said, these are going to be our four extended demos, right? And so they start off, and they're in this weird church-looking tent, and then it goes into the Last of Us 2 demo, and, like, it's the same church, so they, like, tried to recreate it in real life, which is, like, bizarre and weird. And so it is, like, this extended scene of Ellie, like, at this dance and making out with this girl, which people seem to think is a really great video game kiss, because video game kisses normally just look like two mannequin heads, like, smashing against each other. So, like, that was cool to see, like, how amazing Naughty Dog is at animation and, like, facial expression and that kind of thing. And then it goes into the gameplay and, like, it's horrifically violent and, like, you're cutting out dudes' intestines and stuff. Which, like, The Last of Us was always violent. Um, 
it just is really weird to see that in demos that are being shown to like thousands of people to me for some reason but it looks like the last of us and like naughty dog has a good track record and it looks really cool um so i'm down for that i don't know how many times i'll be able to watch another last of us 2 trailer without just being like is this really necessary like this is this is a story-based game and you're showing you're showing us all these things like we already know about it um so, so so that's very weird i i hope they don't continue to show demos of that game but i think they're going to I, I, I hope that's a 2019 game so that they don't have to carry it out for many more E3s, but we will see. And then, what do we have? Then they, like, took all of the press, they did, like, an intermission and moved all of the people that were there in that weird church tent to an actual venue where they were going to show the rest of it. So, like, while they were doing that, it was, like, this really weird, awkward intermission where they, like, cut to this desk like they would do if you were watching, like, a football game and they, like, cut to the desk for their hot commentary. And they announced a couple games there, a bunch of really weird shit. The only one that I really remember was the Resident Evil 2 remake trailer, which Capcom already said was happening, but it looks pretty cool. I don't really give a shit about Resident Evil, but... You know, people were hype about that. And then they got in there after like 15 minutes and they showed the Ghosts of Tsushima, a demo, which looks really, really good. Um, I saw a lot of people commenting that it looks too good to be a PS4 game. And I can kind of agree with that. Um, I still think it's going to be a PS4 game, but it's just, it looks really good. And you get to see some cool samurai fights. A guy, he cuts him with a katana. It looks very good. I, I don't know. Open world samurai game. You can ride a horse. You kill people with katanas. I'm on board. I was very excited. And then the moment that I waited for the entire time, Death Stranding. It's interesting because everything that we've gotten about Death Stranding so far has been some nonsensical trailer that no one can explain. And it's just Norman Reedus and weird naked hand monsters and that are invisible and, like, there's rain called Time Fall that's, like, reversing time or some shit. And you don't know what the hell's going on. Like, Sony basically gave Kojima what seems like a blank check and was just like, Go crazy! Now that you're free from Konami! And, like, I don't know if this is going to turn out to be, like, some weird artsy game that, like, no one gets but Kojima and it doesn't really have any gameplay. Um, they did show gameplay, and it was basically just looked like Norman Reedus as the character carrying packages around a very empty world where literally nothing was happening. So, I don't really know, and I... My bad, because, like, I haven't read many articles about, like, him doing interviews at E3, but it seems like no one still really knows what it is, but... If you were, like, trying to sell that game to people, the gameplay that they showed was certainly not the way to do it, so I was a little disappointed in that. I would guess that there is some type of combat, because, like, that was not shown. It was literally just, like, these super well-done cinematics, and then Norman Reedus carrying around packages in an empty world. And I, I don't know how to feel about that. And it, it was just, it was very odd, but at least they showed more. Like, now I know more about what that game is. Like, I'm going to buy it no matter what. It's just, he's got to do something more to sell what I think the general population is looking for. I mean, maybe people will buy it because they're like, oh, it's from the mind that made Metal Gear Solid. I love that. But this doesn't seem anything like Metal Gear Solid other than that it is batshit crazy. And they finished with uh, Spider-Man, the demo, which, like, I already thought it looked good last time. It was cool to see it again, I guess. Uh, now we know that it will be a Sinister Six game. So if you're a comic book fan, you know who the Sinister Six are, and you get to see them in it. And the web-swinging mechanic looks good. Uh, the last one that had a good web-swinging mechanic was Spider-Man 2 on the GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. Uh, it looks good, uh, very fast-paced. The only way you'll be able to know for sure if it actually feels good is by playing it yourself. All the articles that I have read about it said that it flows very well and people seem to be enjoying it. So uh, this should be the last time that we really see any major Spider-Man stuff. Uh, maybe they'll show some more at Gamescom. Uh, once again, like it doesn't matter to me. The game comes out in the beginning of September. I just want to see it. I just want to have it in my hands and go from there. 
I don't need to I don't need to be sold on it. I was already sold. So Sony's thing was really weird, and normally they're what I get the most hype for. And it just it didn't really deliver that for me. It was it was cool to see the games I was interested in seeing, like Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima, but you know, those games are uh pretty far off. And then, you know, the press conferences and everything closes out with Nintendo on Tuesday. And this is where I feel like most of the salt and negativity and anger that I saw come from. Uh, Because they did their presentation. And I'm going to be honest with you, they didn't announce many games. They announced Super Mario Party, which, like, that's upsetting. Because now there will be a Mario Party on the Switch and I'll have to buy it and play it with my friends. And that'll be fun once but Mario Party is not my favorite franchise, and yeah. So they, that, that was there. They, there was a mech game. They announced a new Fire Emblem game, which is no longer coming out in 2018. It's coming out in 2019. And like I said before, people are shitting all over the art style, saying like it's not... And I personally couldn't care less. I like the tactics aspect of it, so if they write interesting characters and the tactics are good... What they look like in their art style does not bother me one bit. I will still try that game out because I liked Fire Emblems before Fire Emblem Fates. So hopefully it will be less like Fates and more like the previous Fire Emblem games before that. Like, you know, less of a waifu simulator and more of a tactics-based game. So they didn't really show enough to get that. Like, the tactical battles seem cool, so hopefully I, I dig it. Uh, they showed the Xenoblade 2 story DLC that was coming out for this fall. I gotta buy the season pass soon, because it actually looks pretty cool. It's like a prequel. It shows what happened during the Torna War. If you played Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you'll know what the hell that means. If not, you can just disregard. And then they kind of really... That was mostly it. They closed with announcing that uh, the new Super Smash Bros. game is called Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It is coming out this fall. I believe it was... Early December, December 7th, I believe is the date. And it will have literally every Smash Brothers character that has ever been in a Smash Brothers game in it. So at least 64 characters. And they uh, announced Daisy as a character who's basically going to be very similar to Peach, kind of just more like a palette swap. And they finally announced Ridley, the villain from Metroid, uh, which people had wanted forever, but they kept saying that his body is too big, so he literally couldn't be in it. Um, But he is there. And... It's interesting because they kept saying it's a brand new game, but it looks a lot like Smash 4. So it seems to me like it's going to be more like Smash 4.5, just with a buttload more characters. Because it will come with literally every character from the previous games in it, no matter who they are. So like that means Ice Climbers are returning, Pichu is returning, Young Link, everyone's favorite Young Link is returning. Uh, Snake, you know, Snake's coming back. David Hayter reprising his role as Solid Snake coming back again to Super Smash Brothers. It, it's interesting um, because every time a Smash Brothers game is announced, Sakurai, the the mind behind them, basically just says like, "Hey, this is my last one," and he always talks about how the games are very stressful on him and he can't do it anymore and blah blah blah. And he always looks sicker and sicker. It makes me so sad every time I see Sakurai. He looks like a freaking skeleton man who's so stressed out. He works so hard. And I hope that he finally is like, they let him have a large enough break from this. I, The way they're pushing this is like Smash Ultimate and it has all the characters and will have a ton of stages and stuff. And they're going to announce at least a couple more new character, brand new characters like Ridley for it. It seems like they're gearing up for it to be the last one, but, you know, who knows? Because I personally would have thought that Smash 4 would have been the last one on the Wii U, but it doesn't always go that way. They make a lot of money. It's one of Nintendo's most successful franchises. And they tweaked a lot of stuff. They tried to do things with the rolling to make it a little bit more easy to punish people out of dodges and like I don't want to get too much into like technical smash stuff for like competitive play but they said they did over 10,000 changes and they just kept talking about that smash game for like a half hour and I think that's what really upset a lot of people uh I'm like I'm gonna play it I like smash but I'm not like over the moon excited for it I think it is a really cool thing that they're bringing back all the characters but you know, it, it's cool. I, I like Smash, and I think as, like, a showpiece 
as like a museum piece to have all these characters and things together, the stages, the music, the whole package is very cool. And it will be interesting to see how the final product comes out. But I think people were expecting more like on the Yoshi game that was in theory coming out this year, but they definitely didn't show that anywhere and said it's coming out in 2019 now. Last year, they showed the Metroid Prime 4 uh, logo, and that's also not coming out this year. They didn't talk more about it. But where I think a lot of people get tripped up on this is Nintendo does their directs randomly throughout the year. Who is to say that two months from now, Nintendo doesn't just have like, hey, it's a, it's a special Direct coming tomorrow, and then it's all about Metroid Prime 4. Like, we don't know that that's not happening. And I think that's where a lot of people got tripped up, is they're expecting all kinds of really big and huge announcements from Nintendo. And like, Smash is a huge announcement for a lot of people, but I think that it just, it went a little overboard in what it was offering to people. Kind of like how in one of the most recent directs they, like, talked about Mario Tennis Aces and, like, the super crazy nuances of how to play in the new game. It's like, people know how to play tennis, but, like, you don't need to show me these nuances of, like, how each special attack works and how to return it. Nintendo is weird. Like, sometimes I feel like they really get their audience, and other times I feel like they're so out of touch that it's crazy. This presentation wasn't necessarily either one. It was, like, somewhere in the middle. It just, they might have gone a little too heavy on the Smash for a lot of people's tastes. And, you know, but that it does well for them, so it works out. And that's really it, man. I, I didn't see a whole lot of other stuff from E3 that, like, super interested me. Like, there was a lot of interesting announcements that I thought were just that. I thought they were interesting, but... Nothing that I'm really, like, over the moon excited for. Like, a lot of the stuff was already announced. Like, I'm really excited to play Spider-Man in the fall. I'm really excited to play Dragon Quest Eleven in the fall. But, like, those were known quantities. Not a whole lot of, like, oh, shit, surprises. So, you know, maybe that'll just happen more throughout the year. Now that Sony does their conference thing, PSX, in December... Gamescom comes up in a couple of months, there's the Tokyo Game Show, there's all kinds of new shows, and like Nintendo does their directs, things like that, that will come out throughout the year. So it's possible that like maybe E3 will be a little less exciting each year, but it is always cool to see industry professionals gather in the same place for like a meeting of the minds type thing. So that they can go on like talk shows and talk about their new game and get it out there. And it's very exciting. And I just like seeing the industry get together as a whole. And I like seeing people get excited about video games. And so with that, that's all I got. E3 was cool. You should check out some announcements if you didn't really get to see anything. But other than that, all I have to say is check out our theme song by the man Anamanaguchi. It's a song called Sting Operation. It rules. Anamanaguchi rules. And all I can say is, look forward to the next podcast. It's going to be something a little bit different, and I hope it pans out, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Until then, peace out.